I feel like a sense of collective grief. I feel the anxiety of what everyone's going through, but especially for the, for the, the lack of closure most people have with loved ones dying. And, and when something's taboo or swept under the carpet, it is forbidden and then is also feared. So we get this big fear around the topic of death. People, even if you say the word death, people get really like almost superstitious. Like, don't even say the word because it means I'm going to die. It's like... Hey everyone and welcome to this episode, this bonus episode that took me quite a few days to come around to releasing. It is part of my conversation with the amazing tree car and because it was a conversation that flew so naturally between the two of us, we sort of gravitated between two topics, the topic of dreams, exploring dream realms and different altered states of consciousness and also death and because I think death is something we so often don't talk about and it's a little bit hush-hush like we say in the episode I felt it deserved an episode of its own and in the interim of actually going about editing and preparing this episode to release it as kind of a secondary episode and a part two almost to our conversation I almost had a feeling that I shouldn't release it and it was supposed to be released last Friday and something in my heart just held me back and over the weekend I was constantly thinking about it and and this is going to sound really strange but I was constantly thinking about this episode and it just felt the right time the right time It didn't feel like the right time. And you will hear it in my voice now versus what I sound like in this episode that we recorded about two weeks ago now, where I say that I've actually never lost anyone close to me. And believe it or not, on Monday this week, so as I'm recording this message, this intro to the episode, it is Wednesday, March 3rd. On Monday, I lost someone very close to me, a very sudden death in the family. And just like that, I thought, you know, this is this is literally a sign from the universe that I needed to have that conversation with her, that I needed to wait to release it out into space and to, I think, find myself in connection with other people who will benefit from this episode, other people who are going through grief and loss, who have suffered grief and loss, who are going through stages of grief and bereavement, and primarily the idea of talking about death is because Tree works as a death doula in a, in a dream guide, but also an end of life um, guide, which she explains in the episode what that means and I think the episode is especially important because obviously it it is something that we we don't talk about very often but it is a theme that has permeated our lives for over a year now you know death and because we've reduced it I think as a result of this pandemic to numbers it's again just disguising 
really what sits behind it. And I think there is a lot of work that we can do in going a little bit deeper into this conversation and opening up the conversation. I think the greatest message for for me to some degree is, you know, there is no timeline for grief. If you've lost somebody, if you've suffered loss or still grieving somebody, just know that there is no linear path. I think it's something that becomes part of you. It's something that lives inside you, that becomes just a pillar of who you are, of your strength and resilience. And for me, it's just reaffirmed that. So although I've been very sad and shocked by what's happened, a part of me is just filled with gratitude for for this person and for where they are now and just for being able to welcome this ebb of this ebb and just flow of emotions into my reality and it's something very profound and I think we used the word profound in the episode quite a few times and I hope you'll find a space in this episode to really allow these feelings to come up and Tree tells us a few amazing stories of how she came to realize that being an end-of-life guide was her calling and it's really fascinating but the episode I think is incredibly important and I want to put it out into the world in, in, in the time that it was due because it is a reminder that we have to stay present within our feelings and to honor each and every moment and ultimately this like I said forms a pillar of our healing because we all have our own journey of healing healing is not linear and I really hope you enjoy it I think it is filled with positivity it is a positive reinforcement is a beautiful message in there a higher message to listen for even though it's a topic that is so often regarded as a bit dark and a bit grim so just know it comes in waves and today I'm riding the wave of sharing this episode with you I hope it will be enriching I hope you will find something in it for you that will heal your heart and bring light and love into your being and with that on to my conversation with the tree I want to go back to, I kind of enunciated in the beginning about your work as a death doula and end of life guide. And I think to some people, it's going to be like, what the hell? I've never heard this before. And that's, (laughs) I guess, due to the fact that death is just so taboo in our society. It's not something that we really openly talk about. And yet for the past year, that's all we've talked about. (laughs) (laughs) I know right it's been the year of dreams and death for sure yeah that's what I said to you I mean these two topics just kind of fit couldn't couldn't fit better honestly to the current narrative and I think they're always with us and maybe it's that return to to what we need to address to see and to understand a little bit better for ourselves but what what was your journey how does one become a death doula yeah a death doula 
I'll just explain what a death doula is in case anyone's listening and they're like, what is that? A doula is actually from the Greek word, of, which means woman who serves. And most doulas are in the birth role. So you, you probably all heard birth mm-hmm. doulas or a birth midwife. So a death doula is also can be called a death midwife. So it's being there emotionally and physically, spiritually, practically there for a person who's dying. And this can be in so many different ways, you know, because everybody dies in so many different ways. So you could be supporting someone on their deathbed, literally holding space for them, vigiling for them as they're passing. Or you could be, you know, guiding them or coaching them through, you know, through a diagnosis of terminal cancer. So it can come up, you know, the role can pop up in so many different ways, you know, helping someone plan their funeral, practical stuff, filling out paperwork to things that are a little bit more spiritual as well, depending on the person's needs. So how did I get into this role? Okay, this is like, I think, you know, since I was a kid, I was probably, you know, around that realm quite a bit growing up. I mean, I never lost anyone really, really, really super close. I mean, my grandfather, who, when I was young, he was obviously when I was five, but I think, you know, when my mom explained his death to me and that he would, he had died, I felt really calm and relaxed with the conversation. And I felt like, like I knew, like I, it was strange. It was such a weird feeling. Like I just kind of was like, yeah, mom, I know. Like I just felt like I was comfortable with it. And then when I was a teenager, I started to get more interested in what is going on with this death thing. Uh, Whenever there was like a death in the family, like, you know, like a great aunt or someone, someone remote or friends of the family. My, my, my mom was going to the funeral. I always said, mom, can I come with you? And she was like, uh, okay. All right. (laughs) Come on. I wanted to be around this human experience. So as a teenager, you know, saw lots of open wake caskets and felt very comfortable with it. And it just felt very profound for me. Also around that time, my parents were doing humanitarian work with like old folks homes. And so they would go to old folks homes every like Saturday, every Sunday, and I would come along with them. And so sitting with old people who are close to death, speaking with them, talking with them. So it felt like it was always, you know, on my radar since I was a young person. And then I started to have at the age of 17, like a series of events that just started to follow me through my whole life, which were these strange synchronistic events where I happened to be at the right place at the right time in public when someone collapsed or someone had a seizure, was hit by a car or, you know, got hit by a bus started happening. It was like a lot you know, maybe like four to five times a year. And it was just so uncanny that it <laughs> it could not be ignored, you know, that this is really strange. And so first time it happened, I was 17 and it was a motorcycle accident. And uh, me and my friend uh, happened to witness it. It was totally horrific. And I ran over to help the the guy that on his motorcycle. And I knew not to touch him. And you couldn't, you know, I, I knew all the, the basics of first aid. So don't remove the helmet. So I just held his hand and I told him, don't worry, we're calling the ambulance. 
So this is before mobile phones. So it was um, my friend running over to someone's house to call the ambulance service. And so, you know, I I felt really calm. I was surprised because I was 17 and I felt really calm just being with this person, speaking, you know, words of encouragement that he was going to be okay. And from that point, I felt like, oh, this is so weird that I'm able to do this, that I'm able to like just soothe someone in such a critical moment. It was, it really left an effect on me. My parents were like, do you need counseling? Are you okay? (laughs) I was like, no, I'm fine. I feel eerily okay. I feel peaceful about it. So basically moving forward, this was happening like so many times per year. It was like people having seizures, car accidents, and all those times, you know, helping in first aid ways, but also just helping in, in ways where I was just keeping people calm just started to get to me a bit. Like, why does this keep happening? This is giving me a complex. Because <laughs> it's literally like, every time I go out, even my friends were like, what is it? Every time we go out with you, someone's falling over. The weirdest places as well. Like, I remember being in Mexico City once and being in a church with some friends and we were just exploring, looking at like the beautiful artwork and walked past this man who was... He was kneeling and praying at the back of the church with an open back pew. And I walked by him. And as I walked by him, he like literally fell backwards. He fell backwards and was having a seizure. And it was me and the priest. We were there straight oh away <laughs> trying to help him, making, making sure he wasn't swallowing his tongue. And then my, my friend, I'll never forget, my friend Tim was just like, it's you, Trey. Every time I'm out, every, people are falling over. Like, it's just crazy. And so I started getting like this, oh, no, is it me? Then one of the last times it happened, it was in London on Broadway Market. And I was walking down Broadway Market, beautiful Monday morning. It was in the autumn. And I saw this man who was in front of me walking. And he started to stumble a bit. And he leaned up against a wall. And he didn't seem like he was very well. So I just went up to him and I said, hey, do you want to sit down? And when I touched him, he just sort of like crumpled. And he was a big guy too. So a bunch of us like tried to hold him up, but he he was down. And he was having like a massive cardiac arrest. Oh my God. And so we all desperately tried to get, gave him CPR and pumping his chest, people frantically calling 999. And as people were taking, me and this other guy were taking turns on him. And I was holding his hand and his head was in my lap. And I just I just knew, you know, I was like, this guy's not going to make it. And I was just saying to him, it's okay, you're not alone. You'll be okay. You're not alone. I just kept saying that over and over. And his breath started to change in between the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And his eyes just all of a sudden became very fixed, looking upwards. He was still breathing. And it was, it was as if he was looking, if he, he was looking into the sky and he, his eyes were just streaming with tears. They were just streaming down and that was it. And then the last breath just heard it go and he died. And then the ambulance finally showed up and they were trying to zap him back. But I witnessed his death. Like I was literally saw it and saw him experiencing it as well. 
And that was really quite profound and like, okay, what the <laughs> fuck? Sorry, it was really like intense in, in a sense, like, how's this happening? And it didn't stop there because after, you know, we all pulled away and the paramedics were re- working on him for a really long time on the street, all of a sudden I heard screaming and I saw these two women and this child come running over and they were going, dad, dad. And I was like, oh no, this is his family. And so I I was went over to them and hugged them and they were saying what happened. And I was talking to them, told them what happened. They were walking ahead in the in the market, and I guess they didn't realize that he had fallen behind and they kept walking. After a while, they were like, Where's dad? So the two women were his mom and his wife and his daughter. And of course, they're absolutely in shock and devastated. I hugged them and I stayed with them all day and just offered support, gave them my phone number, said, you can give me a call if you want continued support. And I just went home going like, why is this stuff? Why am I always like in the midst of all this stuff? So I decided to ask my dreams. Okay, I'm going to pay attention here. Okay. Hey, dreams, you got something to tell me because I'm I'm feeling like maybe I'm some kind of curse to people. <laughs> and uh, I went to sleep. And just before I woke up, I had a quick succession of dreams that were just basically almost like a life review of all the times I've been there helping people in the right place at the right time. And then just kind of got this big slap in the face by the universe and just... Re- <laughs> a eureka moment of like, it's happening because this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I just woke up going, oh my God, what? That's so obvious, of course. But is there a job for that? What is it? And so I started Googling different combination of words, emotional support at death. Like that's the only thing I could think of because I'm like, well, what did I do for all these people? Like I didn't, like I was good emotionally for them. Like I, I comforted them. I held their hands while you know, things were getting stuck in their bodies or whatever, you know what I mean? I was like, like, I'm not really a nurse. I'm not a paramedic. So I did the search on emotional support at death. And I saw the death doula page, which explained what a death doula was. And it was a, also this course that was being offered on training. And I was like, that is it. I just, my whole being was just like vibrating, like, yes, that's what, that's what I, that, that's it. And I signed up straight away and the rest is history. Really. It was, that was a long path to the calling of stepping into the role. And, uh, it's funny because it didn't stop happening, you know, even after I got my death doula qualification, Mm. I still was having people collapsing in front of me. So things like that, they still do happen, but now I'm able to go, okay, I'm just in the right place at the right time. Like, here we go. Yeah. Universe doing it, (laughs) you know? Um, And I've got so many stories like that. I mean, I could, it could be a whole podcast, but there's been so many, so many being in the right place at the right time. It's not even funny. I feel like you always have to now plan for it every time you like make an appointment or have to be somewhere (laughs) it's everywhere i know it's crazy like and it doesn't matter where i am it could be in a whole totally other country wow i mean although those stories like gave me chills it wasn't i really felt like when you were telling me the stories it wasn't ever like a negative connotation for you i feel like really it was your calling 
yeah, I mean, I feel really grateful I was there uh, for those people. And of course, I feel really felt really good, happy to support them. I mean, I mean, some people were really close to death. If I look back and collect them all and even just talking about them all, it just, sometimes it just blows my mind too. Yeah, it's just weird. You just jump into these moments and then you're able to just hold space in ways that you don't know that you're able to. And then you walk away afterwards and you just go, what the, what just happened? How, how was I able to just hold it together and just be really present and just be really there and not be freaking out? So, yeah. oh, such a like catharsis of a moment, all these stories, I guess, all these settings. But it, I guess because we said, we said death has, I guess, dominated our headlines, our news, our thoughts. And if even if it's not something that we talk about, how has it felt for you? Like just hearing about how many people have died every day. Like, how did you tune into that? <laughs> well, it's really weird, right? Because last year, February twenty uh, seventh of twenty nineteen, I had a precognitive dream about the pandemic, right? And that somehow it, it prepared me in some kind of way, I, I feel like a sense of collective grief. I feel the anxiety of what everyone's going through, but especially for the, for the, the lack of closure most people have with loved ones dying. And I've, I've done plenty of sessions with people who've lost somebody who weren't able to say goodbye because of COVID restrictions. They weren't able to be there in the hospital. And that's creating tremendous grief and cre creating tremendous uh, challenges for people to move through their bereavement. Because when you don't have closure, it, it takes a lot longer to go through the mul multiple layers of, of grieving. But I do think that my precognitive dream did help me in many ways because I was shown numbers of people dying. And uh, in a precognitive dream, you don't feel emotional. It's just very logical. It's like you are shown these things and you are in a state of equanimity. So you don't have an amazing feeling or a terrible feeling. You're just, it's just very, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so upon awakening, I felt like, wow, that really felt like a precog because it had all the, all the right, ticked all the right boxes. For one, it was like in some of my precog dreams, I have what I see as a hologram and there's like a kind of like a, it's weird. It's like you don't hear the voice. It's almost just like a telepathic communication. Mm -hmm. So it's a telepathic communication with the hologram, which is my teacher or the, the source of what is giving me the information. And um, yeah, that's how I saw COVID. Um, and I was, I was shown uh, the, uh, multiple like images on this hologram, big, huge hologram of like dividing cells, like virus, you know, under microscope, you know, that kind of look. See, seeing numbers like codes. Wow. Um, and also given um, this sort of telepathic information that, you know, there's going to be, this is going to be a thing. This is like a lot of people are going to die from this. Um, I wasn't shown numbers of how many people were going to die, but I just had this, you know, this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, you know, a viral pandemic. 
And so I think it prepared me in, in ways, of course, I, I feel the collective grief, but feel like I've, you know, really stepped into my, my role this year from the pandemic. Yeah. Been busier than ever, having sessions with people, holding space for people through Zoom, helping to support people through grief, through death, through um, even just, you know, dreams, nightmares, you know, things that are coming through in all the different ways we can experience them. I've, I've got to remember to take care of myself through the process because I have this rescuer type of personality where I want to jump in and rescue people. So um, I've been working really, really hard through this pandemic and it's actually kind of reached ahead this this past week where um, I've I've gotten kind of run down from it. So I'm kind of looking at ways right now where I should you know balance myself out a bit because I've been taking on a lot of a lot of a lot of people like holding space for lots of people and have to make sure I you know sleep enough, eat well, meditate, you know, do all the things that are good for me too, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of intense, but it's been a learning curve, like massively, because it makes you have to like all of a sudden, okay, now you got to really tune in and now you really got to be able to hold space for others and yourself too. So here we go. Yeah. So I've learned so much this year. And because I've I've had the, 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 the beauty and the luxury of having it from Zoom instead of like physically traveling to London and physically being to, in a lot of places. And I've been able to have my, my quiet space where I do this. It's actually helped so much. And I've been able to give a lot more to people because I have the time to meditate in between sessions. I've got the time to have quiet and stillness and not be rushing about. So because of that, it's made me a better guide. It's so I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> like if the future could be like this, this is fantastic because it means I could give, you know, I can be a better support to people because I'm able to have more of an insular connection and I can tune in better, you know? Yeah. You really are in your element, but I completely agree with you that in order to have the bandwidth, which I'm sure you have a lot of to give to others. You have to obviously turn it inwards as well and kind of focus on yourself. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this with me. Thank you. Sorry if I was just went off on a blue streak. Well, no, that was that was really that was really insightful and yeah, I felt so many emotions just listening to your stories because it's not something we hear every day. It's not every day that we talk openly and kind of feel I guess our emotions in a raw state because death is one of those things right it's like something we bury and yeah. I'm very very much into like the shadow side of the things that we bury. <laughs> so it's really interesting to put it into context from you who works with people who are going through this transition but also having experienced it firsthand like the I guess yeah the end of life which is such a mystery I think yeah science still has goes back into our conversation about consciousness <laughs> yeah totally it always comes back to that hard problem that's so that's what I am I'm a consciousness explorer and I feel like happy to walk alongside other people who want to 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 journey so that's kind of how I see myself yeah I think definitely they tie into each other and 
there's a lot more work to be done in this space and a lot more education and empowerment even for to be had for people to transition and deal with these emotions and dealing with loss and I'm kind of like you I haven't really I guess we say knock on wood like experienced loss of someone really close to me but a lot of people have this year and I think that lack of closure is just really the 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 catalyst for so much like it's enabling so much grief and trauma even Yeah, definitely. So how can we, I guess, compassionately support someone who is grieving? Like, what do you say? I think we're we're really far from also the emotional intelligence. Like, we're never really taught this alongside so many other things that we're not taught in traditional educational systems, but we're never really taught how to approach this. And even as children, I guess, you were, you had the conditioning within you to pursue which ended up being your calling in life you know like to know how to deal with this but for so many people it's not so evident so where does one start yeah so the death death is the great taboo it shouldn't be because it is part of life the life death rebirth cycle it's in nature it's all around us yet we've uh, been disconnected from it so again it's the message of disconnection and reconnecting back to these these realities these natural realities so i think the best starting point is to just start to talk about death um i'm a big advocate of death positivity so i'm always holding like death cafes and death positive related workshops and events and it gives a chance to just talk about something that we all are going to experience or all have possibly experienced, you know, very much like dreams too. It's part of the the human condition. And so that's a really great starting point is just opening up spaces that make it conducive for people to have these conversations. But I also think death should be taught in school, just like sex education. And it's not, and it should really be in the curriculum. It is in, in, Ancient times, death was more in your face. People died at home. People tended to to the bodies of their loved ones when they died. Even in um, shamanic traditions around the world today, there's people still very much connected to the process of of birth and life and the death process. But we've lost connection from this because of, you know, the West has become industrialized and we've got middlemen who sort that out and someone dies and it's all in hushed tones and the bodies just disappear somewhere. We don't know what happens to it. So we don't have, we're not connected to the process anymore. And there's studies that show that, you know, when, when a person is able to grieve their loved one, have the body at home for three days, be able to bond with them as they grieve and they wail, that their grieving process is much shorter than those who are bereaved, who never got to say goodbye, never saw the body, never connected to the body through crying. And, you know, these are scientific studies. So there's something cathartic about the process of embracing death and being part of the pragmatic process of it, you know, like, you know, tending to the body and, and, and being there and paying your respects. 
even wailing and crying, you know, letting out the cathartic yeah. mourning in the West that we're, we're hushed and shush, shush, you know, stiff upper lip and don't show any emotion and men can't cry. And so this really, this causes a deep impact. So this, we're not able to process it properly. We're not able to grieve properly. And therefore it becomes swept under the carpet, becomes taboo. And when something's taboo or swept under the carpet, it is forbidden and then is also feared. So we get this big fear around the topic of death. People, even if you say the word death, people get really like almost superstitious. Like, don't even say the word because it means I'm going to die. And it's like, well, of course you're going to die. We're all going to die. Like, <laughs> but people get really funny about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> so it, it reminds them, oh my God, this is not forever. This is just temporary. Um, so the more we walk towards it, not in a morbid way, but in a way where we're like, let's talk about it. Come on, let's share our experiences or let's, tr you know, change the way we die as well. We don't need to be dying like all uh, isolated in a hospital. You can die at home. Um, also, a lot of people don't realize that you can do it yourself. You know, you don't need to have the state intervene just because you're dead doesn't mean that the state owns your body. You can have a funeral at home. You could die at home. You get to keep a body at home for three days for um, respects and for vigiling. And you can even prepare the body on your own with the help of some death doulas or death midwives. And you can, you know, not be pumped full of formaldehyde and sent off to, you know, a mortuary or, you know, yeah. a middleman. And you could, the family could do it on their own. And you can have burials that are beautiful, eco burials that go back to the earth. You can die in different ways. So a lot of people don't know this either, you know, that there's alternative ways that help the environment in which to die. It's alternative ways that help the family members or those who are left grieving. And they're therapeutic, they're compassionate, they're humane, they're, they're, they're common sense in many ways. You know, it's the way we've been doing it for thousands of years, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it really changed. So part of my work is to bring that back to, uh, through the networks that I work with, um, to help facilitate these sort of uh, beautiful and sacred passings. So you could do it at home in ways that feel wonderful and supported and and like you know loved ones around and the loved ones can really bond with the process after the person's died so that's what I'm all about moving forward <laughs> hey, that's beautiful I think a lot of people are not like I said we lack education in this space but it's amazing to know that there's people like you out there who are having those conversations and holding space for people. And especially right now, I think it's very challenging. And, but it is a reality that we're all living with and maybe a chance for people to dive a little bit deeper. So I guess to round up our conversation, we touched on so much and yet I feel like there's still so many tangents we could go on and end up with like <laughs> so many like such a long episode but I guess you have an open invitation to come back and talk about all these other amazing things that you do so 
you round it up how can people connect with you you said you know you touched on a little bit of the things that you do I know you hold um, different workshops on different platforms and you have a few different sort of Instagram accounts going so yeah so everyone if you'd like to get in touch of course I'm on Instagram tree underscore car and all of my various dreams death and divination subsets are on that account too that you can go off and explore and then also my website because I got a lot of workshops and whatnot on the website and the website is luciddreamtree.com so I'll link all of this in the show notes so people can go and have a look and connect with you and maybe take some of those conversations a bit further but I think we've done a good job (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you it was a real pleasure